Welcome back to the Teen Challenger Southern California podcast. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about a 24-7 prayer and help referral line that Teen Challenger Southern California just launched. No matter what your need is, if you're anxious or worried or stressed, you can call anytime, any day, and a Teen Challenge staff member is there to pray with you. The number is 888-520-0620. Once again, that number is 888-520-0620. We're so glad that you've chosen our podcast today. We know that there's thousands of podcasts that you could be listening to, and you've chosen to listen to ours, and we thank you for that. Up next in this series are the brand new sessions, fresh off the press from our very first Spiritual Emphasis Online. Normally, this is an event that Teen Challenger Southern California hosts yearly at our headquarters in Riverside, where all of our staff and students gather under a tent for three or four days of powerful worship and teaching. But because of what's going on in our world right now, we decided to take the event online and make it a completely virtual event. And what a week it was. We invited the Teen Challenge Centers from around the globe to participate with us. And it was just such a spirit-filled, powerful, life-changing week. We had messages from Don Wilkerson, Jim Cimbala, Nikki Cruz, Gary Wilkerson, and many, many more. Lives were changed forever. As always, we're super excited to share these messages with you. Today, you're gonna hear a powerful word from Dale Oakwist. Dale is the lead pastor at People's Church in Fresno, California. And one last thing, if you're blessed by these podcasts, don't be shy to tell your friends and family about them. We encourage you to do so. As you listen to these sessions, our prayer is that you would sense God's presence, that you would hear His voice. And most of all, we hope that you're encouraged in the Lord today through these podcasts. Remember to subscribe today to our podcast if you haven't already done it. Be encouraged today. Hey, Teen Challenge of Southern California. I am so glad to be with you. As you probably know, my name is Dale Oquist, and I'm the pastor here of People's Church in Fresno, California, and so glad to be with you for this spiritual emphasis week, as unique as it is being virtual in nature. I wish you were in the room with me to encourage this message, but at the same time, I'm so glad that I could be with you. I wanna honor Ron Brown and how much he means to me and to us at, at People's Church here because of the fact his leadership has, uh, has in incredible impact all over not only Southern California, but all around. And I wanna thank you, Ron, for your invitation. And I, I thank you for being a great friend of me and of People's Church. And I also wanna give a shout out to Central Valley Teen Challenge, which is dear to our hearts here at People's Church, and John Burns and his entire staff. And we love, Joni and I, my wife and I, love Teen Challenge because not only of their ability, uh, they're, they're multifaceted in their impact. Their ability not only to help and you guys help and deliver and bring deliverance to people with life-controlling issues, but also you have become, and over the years, an incubator of leadership. Just ask anyone that's right now with you, who of the leaders and the staff of, of Teen Challenge, who used to be a part of Teen Challenge, and so many hands would raise. And so not only in Teen Challenge, but an incubator of leadership for the kingdom of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do and all that you are. The theme that I've been given that you are addressing is Lord of all. And the text comes from Acts chapter 10, verse 36. And so we're going to look at that. 
today, Acts chapter 10, and the two main characters of Acts chapter 10 are Peter the Apostle and Cornelius. Let's start with Cornelius because the chapter, if you're following along in Acts chapter 10, the chapter begins by introducing us to showing us Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is a Gentile, and he is a non-commissioned officer in the Roman Empire's military. But yet he is also a key figure in our Christian faith because he is not only a convert to Jesus, he is the convert to, to Jesus that starts all of us Gentiles and our conversion to Jesus. He is the first of Gentiles to come to know Jesus. He has a vision in the beginning of chapter 10, and essentially that vision is from God to say, you need to have Peter the Apostle as a guest speaker in your home church. And so he does. Cornelius is in Caesarea Maritima, which is an area just about 45 miles north of what we would know today as Tel Aviv. And Peter at that time is in Jaffa, which is a part of the Tel Aviv area, and it's about 45 miles away. So Cornelius sends two people that are going to go and get Peter and extend this invitation. While that's happening, Peter is, he's going to go to a rooftop to pray. And then while he's praying, I love it, the Bible tells us he gets hungry. And while his meal is being prepared, he is so tired that, 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 that tiredness produces a power nap that is complete with a divine vision. And in this divine vision, we remember this, that a, a sheet, something like a sheet, comes down, he sees this, and it's full of all of these animals that are a no to, to, for Jewish people to eat. And all these hoofed animals, all these reptiles, all these, these birds of the air that they're, 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 they're not supposed to in any way touch. And God, this is like Peter's pigs in a blanket vision. And God looks and he says to Peter about this vision of these, he says, have a barbecue on me. Now think of this. This is huge. Because Peter says, no way. And he has this vision three times. No way. And God says, yes way. This is, is this in this vision and this dream kind of nullifying for Peter 1,400 years of tradition and religion? What does this mean? So God is speaking to Peter. And while this is happening, there is a knock at the door and Peter gets a word from the Holy Spirit that that knock on the door are going to be some people that are going to ask you to join them in Caesarea, and you need to go. So he does. He goes, he travels north to Caesarea with these men, and he meets Cornelius there. And the first thing he says essentially to Cornelius is, this is a big deal that I'm here. This is a big deal that I'm, a, I'm in your house. This is a big deal. So I want you to know that this is a big deal because I'm a Jew, you're all Gentiles. But why did you ask me? And Cornelius proceeds to tell him his vision. Tell him what he's experienced from the Holy Spirit. And then he says, Peter, we know that you have a word from God. And Peter sees this large crowd of people that are there. It is then that we see this, 
this interesting moment because in verse 34 of Acts chapter 10, it starts with this as Peter is addressing this crowd of Gentiles in Cornelius' house. And he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Think of this. He goes, I now realize. This is Peter having an aha moment. This is a revelation. This is a now I get it. I didn't get it before. I didn't understand it before. But now I get it. We all need these aha moments in our lives, do we not? He says, I now realize that God doesn't show favorites. I didn't know this before. I didn't understand this before, but now I get it. Because previously to Peter, he was favorite. He was the one that was a favorite because he was a Jew and you're all trash. I, I am the good guy and you are all dogs previously. And now Peter understands that that is no longer true. That God has shown him that he doesn't show favoritism. Then... Then he says, you know, this is verse 36. This is our key verse for this emphasis. He says, he says, you know, the message of God sent to the Gentiles, declaring, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Here it is. Who is Lord of all. You all know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, to, to his own people, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. That's our theme. So let's begin with this, this phrase, Jesus is Lord. In Hebrew, the word Lord is Adonai. In Greek, it's kurios, and it means master. It means a person that is in control, a ruler, that they have power and authority and control and rule over other people. Jesus is Lord was the earliest creed of the church. So in this first century, this was the idea that Jesus is Lord. When I was growing up, and I grew up going to church, some of you did, some of you didn't, but I grew up since I, my earliest recollections were going to church, and my friends were from church, and so I, I heard countless altar calls. And sometimes those altar calls started with a phrase that would be very familiar to some of you who've been in the church a long time, and that is, raise your hand if you want to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life raise your hand, and then hands would raise and people would make a decision for faith and make Jesus Lord of their lives. Now, as I've been thinking about this, for this, I want to call this horizontal lordship. I want to call this horizontal lordship. I want, to, I want you to think of a boss, a, a direct report, someone that you report to that you are, that is your boss or oversight, your manager. And when you're at work, you report to them. They have control over you. They can direct your actions because you've a, you, you have an exchange for a wage. But when the day is done, when you clock out, essentially, they're not your boss anymore. There is a time and a space for this lordship, this mastery, if you will. Horizontal leadership has a time and a space boundary to it. That's what, and we determine that. Now that I'm off of the property of my job, now that I'm at home, they're no longer my boss, in, in essence. Now, 
Some people have said, and all throughout the ages, the, the, the ministers and spiritual leaders have tried to combat this idea that says, well, Jesus is Lord on Sundays, but the rest of the week is mine. I can do whatever I want to do. To combat that years ago, there was a pamphlet called My Heart, Christ's Home. And some of you who've been in and around church and the like, uh, maybe for many years, especially maybe some of the leaders, maybe you remember this pamphlet. It was written a long time ago by Robert Munger, Robert Boyd Munger, very old, but it's just a little pamphlet. And it's, it's about the fact that our lives are like a home. And that's the whole that's the whole premise of this little booklet. And he goes on to talk about the fact that a lot of times we invite Jesus into our homes, and that's usually because of something that has happened that we want him to come in. We have sin in our lives. We want him to forgive. We have fear in our lives. We want him to assuage. We have a problem that we want him to fix. So we invite Jesus into our homes, so to speak, into our lives, and then that the, the analogy continues to go on where we invite him in and then he comes into the living room, say, but Jesus doesn't stay in the living room. He doesn't stay. He, well, he, he comes in, but he doesn't stay and he just comes in like to the living room, which would be where our lives are. But he doesn't stay there. He's not like a, a normal guest that doesn't go beyond the boundaries of what the host wants. Jesus being Lord, be, being who he is, now he walks into places like what we would call the family room because maybe you have family issues. And so now he wants to address those family issues. And so that's, so, so he walks in there and he addresses those issues. And then he may go into a workplace, a workroom where our career is and where our jobs are. And he wants to say, this is, you're a Christian and now this is all gonna affect where you work and how you work and what you do and how you do your job. And then he walks into, in this pamphlet, he walks into the library, which is, which is where we have all of our thought life and what we're thinking and how we think. And Jesus says, I want to come into your library. I want to come into your thought life. And I'm going to direct everything about you, including how you think. And then he goes into the, the rec room, the recreation room, the room where you find relief and rest in your life. And he addresses that. And all the while, then, there's this interesting little room that is there, and it's very brilliant how, how Munger does this. He go, and then there's this hall closet, and it's locked. And Jesus wants to come into this hall closet, and we don't want him into the hall closet because it stinks in there. We've hidden things in there. And it's interesting, no one knows what's in the hall closet, but we all know about the hall closet in our own lives because it's the areas that are the darkest areas that we don't want anyone to see. When, when people come over, we put the junk into the hall closet, but it stinks in there. And yet Jesus says, I want the key to the hall closet. And so when we give him the key to the hall closet and he starts to clean that out, we come to this realization, the point of the book is this, we come to the realization that Jesus can manage our house better than we can. And 
so, in simplicity, we hand the deed over to Jesus. We continue to live there. We continue to enjoy the house, but we hand the deed over to Jesus, and we say, you manage it, because I'll be happy if you manage it. You control it. You direct it, because I'm going to be happier. I'm going to have more joy. I'm going to have more peace if I just give it over to you. That's the simple message of this booklet, and it's all about this horizontal lordship in our lives. That I, now, in horizontal lordship, I determine the scope of Jesus' authority and his power because it's over my life. The time and the space, the space is my life and I give him control over that. And Peter understood this. He understood the horizontal lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, when we get into Luke 10, because the horizontal, Lord, the horizontal lordship of Jesus at that point was, Jesus is Lord, Caesar isn't Lord anymore to us. He doesn't have ultimate authority. He doesn't have authority over our lives. Jesus is Lord, of which we know that they were thought to be rebels and they were enemies of the state because of this. But now, even though Peter knew that God had control over everything, this is a new revelation when he says, now I realize that all of this is taking place and that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. This is what I call, it's not horizontal leadership or lordship. It's like, a, a, this is a small sphere. It's a round sphere. But I call this the spherical lordship of Jesus. That Jesus' lordship now is not just horizontal on a straight line, but now it's a, it's a sphere. It, is, it, has a, it has a sphere to it like a, a globe. It's the spherical leadership, and it's the, it's the leadership that is outside the boundaries of our will, our control, and our jurisdiction. It's the leadership and the lordship of Jesus beyond our control, beyond our will, and beyond our jurisdiction, beyond where we have control. Do you remember uh, some of you, again, who I, I've been in the church a long time, and I remember years ago, there was a phrase that would be said, and again, this is when I was a kid, and so, again, a few of you maybe would remember this, but it was the phrase that, it was, this was the phrase, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Now, that would be horizontal lordship. God said it, so I believe it, and that settles it. That's horizontal. Now, listen to this. I want to give you that phrase in spherical lordship verbiage. Spherical lordship. Am I making a circle? Spherical lordship verbiage. It's this. Remember the original, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Here's spherical lordship. God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter if I believe it. It doesn't matter if I agree with it. It doesn't matter with whether I affirm it or not. It doesn't matter if I believe it to be true or not. It is. That's the spherical lordship. It's beyond the boundaries of our control. It's beyond the boundaries of our jurisdiction and what we want and what we like. That Jesus is Lord of all, whether we like it or not. That Jesus is Lord of all. 
It means that beyond my control, beyond anything that I have any jurisdiction over, Jesus is Lord over that. And this is what happens with Peter when he realizes that this is going on, that God shows no favoritism. And so therefore, Jesus, now he's getting this sense that Jesus Christ, this message announcing the good news that we have peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. This is a phrase that is used sparingly, but powerfully. Paul only uses the phrase that I can tell only one time. That Peter now is acknowledging through Luke's recollection and through Luke's recording of it, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Whether I believe it or not, whether I agree with it or not, whether I like it or not, he is Lord of all. Whether I even acknowledge it or not, he is Lord of all. And this Lord of all, this word of all, is really now capitalized by Luke, who's recording this, because if you look at this, after he starts, after he says it in verse 36... He uses the term all numerous times. He says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, this is verse 38, with the Holy Spirit and power, and he, how, he, how he went around doing good and learning, going, do, I'm sorry, good, doing good and healing all, doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil. And then verse 43, 40, uh, 43, it says, all, all, all the prophets testified about him, Jesus, that everyone or all who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And then verse 44, when Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on, say it, all who heard the message. And Peter was astounded and said, we got to baptize these people. There's nothing that hinders these people from being baptized. That Peter learns that in this moment that Jesus is Lord over even all of religion. That, that the unclean animals that were coming down were just a symbol and a sign of human sinfulness. That, that they shouldn't eat those animals because of the fact that those animals defiled their body. And in the same way, God couldn't allow us into his presence because we would defile heaven. And now because of Jesus Christ, now because of Jesus, he, now because of Jesus who has overcome all of this, he died, he rose again, and he removed all the contamination, all the defilement, all the pollution from us all. That Jesus is Lord of all of religion. Jesus is Lord over all of all. Jesus now goes, and when he's ministering among, uh, with his disciples, a leper comes up to him, and a rabbi, he's a rabbi and a Jew and a clean Jew. We know that from Jewish law, the, if the leper if you touch the leper or the leper touched you, you become unclean. And then you have to go through all these rituals to get unclean. And yet Jesus goes, reaches, and touches that leper. And what, friends, remember what happens is that the, that the unclean leper doesn't contaminate or pollute Jesus. Jesus makes the leper clean. Because Jesus is Lord of all. He's Lord of all of creation, the winds and the waves that were threatening the lives of the people dear to him while he's in the boat with them. It's, he says, peace be still. Because he is L-O-A, Lord of 
all. Paul, when he's converted, remember that? He's on the road to Damascus. He is, he is persecuting and killing Christians and proud of it. And all of a sudden he is struck down, he's struck blind, and he doesn't know what's going on. Because in this moment, Paul didn't get a hold of Jesus. Jesus got a hold of Paul. And he altered his life. He altered his future. He altered everything. Why? Because he is Lord of all. Changing the course of our lives. We need both the horizontal. We need to determine that the jurisdiction and the power and the control that Jesus has is over my life and over your life. We need that. But we also need, because peace and joy come to bear on our lives when we realize the spherical element and the spherical influence and the spherical scope of the lordship of Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of all. Yes, you need to make the decision, and you have made the decision, most of you, if not all of you, to make Jesus Lord of your life, but also know that he is in control of everything. He is in control of every dot, every T that's crossed, and every I that's dotted in your life. He is in control of every decision you make. He is in control over all, and he has power and authority and control far beyond your choices and your jurisdiction and your life. He is Lord of of all. Everyone say amen with me, please, right now. I wish I could hear you because I know it'd be awesome. Because we know that no issue can stand tall in the presence of the one who defeated death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, he is Lord of all. Now, when I, was in, when I was in seminary, when I first was learning to study the Bible, we learned that, that, if you, that the Old Testament was the New Testament illustrated. So if you have a truth in the New Testament, like Lord of all, you should be able to find a story in the Old Testament that illustrates this. And so when I was studying this, I thought, I want to... I wanna, I want, a, I want a story from the Old Testament that backs this up. I want an illustration from the Old Testament. And so using the, ter the, word, the words Lord of all in, from the Old Testament, here's the story. It's found in Genesis chapter 45. It's the story of the big reveal of Joseph to his brothers. This is a this is 22 years after, if you remember the story, 22 years after Joseph's brothers, remember he had the dream that you're all going to bow down to me, and he, was the, he had the coat of many colors, he was the favorite son, and yet the other brothers didn't like it, and so they put him into a pit, and then when an Egyptian caravan was going by, they sold him into slavery and they hadn't seen him in 22 years. He recognizes them. They don't recognize him. And in Genesis 45, he's re because now he is the prime minister of the superpower of the day in Egypt. And it's been a 22-year up and we know up and down journey for Joseph. But now he is in control and he is he's revealing himself to his brothers. It's a powerful, powerful moment. 
And he says, I am your brother Joseph, the one that you sold in Egypt. And he's the one that they left for dead. He's the one that they even thought was dead. His dad thought he was dead. And then it's interesting because in chapter 45, verse 8, it says this. It says, it was not you who sent me here, but God. It was not you sent to you. It was not you, who, it was not you who did all this. It was God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now, hurry back to my father and say to him, quote, unquote, Joseph gives you this message. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. God has, dad, I want you to know this about your son, Joseph. He has made me, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Now listen, this is what happens. You have a person that was sold into slavery and thought to be dead, was left for dead, and was forgotten about. And then in the hugest of reversals, that very person becomes the Lord of all Egypt. And now that one with all of authority, that person with all power is now directing his attention toward the very ones that sold him initially into the very, he directs his attention to the guilty parties, the ruler, the one in control, directs all of his attention to the guilty parties, and what does he do? He graces them, he blesses them, and he forgives them. And that, my friends in Teen Challenge, is the story of the gospel. That is the message. In fact, that is the message of Teen Challenge. That Jesus now is Lord of all, and he who is in control over all, who reigns over all, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, now directs his attention at us, the guilty, and he says, I bless you, I grace you, I give you grace and love and mercy, and I forgive you. And they receive and they walk in that. He said, you didn't send me here, God did. Friends, addiction didn't send you to Teen Challenge. God sent you to Teen Challenge. Why? Because he is Lord of all of your life. And when you didn't even want control, when you didn't even want him around, when you didn't even want him to have influence in your life, he was directing and he was leading and he was he was creating circumstances and decisions that were being made that have brought you to the place where you are right now. And we can so many times, we can think that the very things that are happening, we want to hide it. We want to, it's, like it's like a scar that we want to hide. It's like, and yet, friends, the very thing that you're going through is, becomes a trophy of God's grace. We need to flaunt that grace because every, right, I have a scar on this arm and, and, and if you ask me, I will tell you the story of that scar because scars have stories, don't they? And some of our lives are, are lives that have scars all over them. But what is a scar? It is a healed wound. And we need to tell the story of the scars. We need to tell and flaunt the 
story of the scars. We need to let people know that there is a God that is Lord, and he is not only Lord of my life, he is Lord of all. He is L-O-A. And those scars are all telling the story that Jesus is Lord of all. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my friends, my family, called Teen Challenge Southern California. And I thank you for their influence and their impact. And during this week where we maybe stop for a moment and we just reflect on who you are, I pray that you would give us peace and joy. Lord, in the midst of the frustrations that we can have because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, I pray that we would understand that you are Lord of all. You are directing, you are guiding, you are controlling and Lord, it is not only with the realm of our jurisdiction and our direction, it is beyond that to all of humanity. And you are directing all of our lives. And we have peace and we have joy because we trust you. Because you are Lord of all. For the sake of your glory and your reputation in our world today, I pray all these things. Amen. 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 Love you and appreciate you. God bless. Thanks for choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it today. It's easy. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, click on our icon and hit subscribe. A new podcast filled with godly encouragement, spiritual instruction, and teaching comes out every week. God bless you today.